Welcome to the Beyond Beauty podcast, a platform to highlight the beauty industry's talent, deconstruct their learnings, and spark ideas for your own business. The Beyond Beauty podcast is created by Dilly, the leading creative agency working with the fastest growing brands in beauty. Here, we'll interview guests from major beauty corporations, creative directors, influencers, founders, and risk-taking entrepreneurs. Our guests are not only changing the traditional beauty landscape, they're also innovating in e-commerce, branding, and digital marketing. Join us as they share valuable advice, how they launch their businesses, and most importantly, ignite thought-provoking conversations across beauty, tech, and marketing. Hello, everyone. Today on the Beyond Beauty podcast, we have Jill Scalamandre. Jill is the CEO of Beekman 1802 and an experienced CPG executive whose leadership spans across brands, markets, channels, and technologies. With a reputation as a forward brand builder, she has created brands from scratch, turned around struggling established brands, launched new markets, acquired and divested assets, and led technology-driven teams to reimagine traditional market approaches. Prior to joining Beekman 1802, she acted as global president of Shiseido Americas, where she led the global turnaround of 300 million bare minerals, which was also incubating the socially driven Buxom Cosmetics. Her experience as president of Shiseido's group's Global Makeup Center of Excellence gave her the opportunity to fuel growth across all of the company's color brands, acquiring and integrating augmented reality and personalization technology. Through her career, she has advised private equity firms on various portfolio opportunities. Ms. Scalamandre helped build and oversee the successful sale of Frederick Pakai hair care salons to Procter & Gamble, among other acquisitions and turnarounds. She is currently chairwoman of Cosmetic Executive Women, CEW, an international organization of 10,000 individual members representing a cross-section of beauty and related businesses. To connect with Jill Scalamandre, visit Beekman1802.com. So Jill, thank you so much for joining the Beyond Beauty podcast today. You have an amazing resume and such an incredible career journey. So we're so excited thank to hear you. from you and your advice. Thank you. I haven't heard that in a while. I'm like, oh, okay. I forgot that. So. <laughs> Great one. Yeah. So Jill, tell us about your career. Where did it all begin? How did you get started? What were you doing before Beekman 1802? Did you grow up knowing that you wanted to work in a consumer-driven industry? Or was it always about beauty? Was it always about skincare? Take us back to where it all began. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I was a language major. I studied English, English, French, and Italian. And I wasn't, really, wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. But while I was studying in Paris, I worked at a fashion house, Carven at the time. And I worked as a, an intern. And I found this love of fashion and justice, the whole aspect of the ability for fashion to change your perspective on yourself and to give you confidence. And when I came home and I graduated, someone had suggested you, I look at beauty as well, because beauty and fashion are very interconnected in terms of the psychic. I did. And I got a job at Revlon as an assistant coordinator, and I just loved it and worked myself as I acted like a sponge. People come tell me you're like a sponge. And I was a sponge. I just kept absorbing everything that I was seeing and learning and ended up in product development and then marketing. And then I went to, to a startup with Prada and created Prada Beauty. 
And wow. that was fun. And that was lots of traveling, too much traveling at the time for me. I had a young daughter. And then, so after that, I went to Avon, where I was really working in the global markets in a brand new channel. So I had had department store with Prada. I had um, a mass market with Revlon. Um, and now I wanted to really learn the, the, the multi-level marketing business model. And I stayed there as I was head of global marketing. So there's 123 markets. And that was really interesting. And I really learned about the global consumer in depth. And after that, I went into private equity, where I really wanted to learn how to value a company. I wanted to build a company. And then I really wanted to understand the value, uh, the valuation of a company, what people look for, what they, what, what they're buying, what they're selling. So I went there and I worked at, at Frederick Fakai, uh, who we then sold it to P&G. And after private equity, I went to Cody. I said, I wanted to go back to a big company. I had this pattern, big, small, big, small. That's smart. Um, you can see yeah. that the, the differences between each two and how, how important each of them are. They really are. And they're very different learning experiences. And I just wanted to keep learning. I think what kept me going is that I wanted to keep learning something new. So I went to Cody and I was global chief marketing officer of skincare. And they had two brands, Philosophy and Lancaster. And then someone lured me away to Shiseido, which he had mentioned in my bio, and was the president of the Makeup Center of Excellence. Until then, I took over the Bare Minerals and the Boxum brands. And then after that, I came back to private equity. And here I am at Beekman working with Eurasio, a private equity company, and the CEO of Beekman, which... It's a whole other story that we'll get into, but it's a, yeah. a fabulous brand. So I guess in a nutshell, my career has been constant learning, taking on sort of new categories, new mm -hmm. in beauty, new channels in beauty, and really learning from a small company to a larger company. I've done beauty my entire career. It's in my blood. I love it. I love what it brings to women. I look at the confidence it brings and the fulfillment it brings to men and women. And I don't see myself leaving beauty. I had opportunities and calls and I just never could do it. Mm -hmm. I love this. I love this industry. And it's such a dynamic industry too. It's, it's it always changing, especially even within the past five years, I would say even in the past three years, we've seen so many trends come and go and how skincare is having such a moment now. People are really paying attention to it. The rise of social media, how that's changing, how indie brands are entering the space and how these heritage brands need to shake things up some more and, and really get competitive again. They're, it's, they're not taking 90% of the market share, but you have such a curiosity of what you brought to the industry yeah. and seeing it from the marketing side and more of the business analytical side of it and the financing side. That's so incredible that you're able to see both the creative as well as like the scaling of the business per se. Right. So was it right. difficult to switch from working in-house at a brand on this marketing side and then going into the private equity side of, of beauty? That's a really interesting transition. In a large company, it, it tends to be a bit siloed where you really are in charge of your function and your function and you really want to be inside the cog of the wheel. Marketing is to a certain aspect, but when you're in a smaller company, you have to roll up your sleeves and do more. And that's where you learn because you are inside a smaller company. You're exposed to everything day in and day out. And in private equity, what I learned is what makes a brand important. It's not only, it's very much what is the brand represent? What are, who are the consumers? How, what is the innovation? But it's also what to look for in the health of a brand. What are those metrics? beyond marketing metrics that make a brand healthy, where, at what point should the, should your top line be to your EBITDA? 
what is the the right gross margin in your brand and what do people look for when they want to invest in a brand or buy a brand and so that was a very big learning that is you can learn it anywhere but it, it was very much top of mind i had come so much from creative and marketing and product development before i landed in product uh, in the private equity and so that really balanced me out to really say okay i know the consumer side i don't know mm-hmm. the investment side and that was where again my journey to continue learning took me that's incredible and it's always staying curious and discovering new parts of the business i even hear from a lot of people lately that they say they might have started in product development they want to switch into marketing or vice versa or maybe their first job was in operations more behind the scenes and they want to get into more of creating that brand identity or the growth marketing strategy and a lot of people find it a difficult switch and a transition but so that's incredible that you're able to do that and really see all sides of the business and your advice is so valuable to work at those big companies as well as the small companies what advice would you give to uh, a young brand who's just starting out maybe it's a founder and they're in their early days it's a really competitive landscape right now mm-hmm. especially across mm-hmm. personal care to skincare fragrance makeup there's a lot of new brands that are entering the space and it, everything from like retailer partnerships for a direct-to-consumer side of the business as well and then we have the whole world of social media that side joke is changing on an hourly basis is there any piece of advice that you would give to a brand to really stand well, out in this market you you mentioned something before which i have to emphatically agree with you is the fact that the landscape has so much changed when i started in this business you need it in marketing you need it well, i started in product development and then moved to marketing because i really wanted to continue to take it right directly to the consumer but you had a display, you had your advertising print or TV, you had a sample, uh, and those were the basics in marketing. Mm-hmm. Today, that has completely blown up. It's marketing, there's digital marketing, there's brand marketing, there's commercial marketing, there is social media marketing, there's, there's, so, there's so many aspects of marketing. And that has been a fascinating learning curve for me fascinating because it really is done very differently. And now you take your your marketing directly to the consumer. And really, it's the consumer who's telling you what to do right now. You you used to dictate, it's pink this season. Now it's like, they tell us what season, (laughs) what color it is this season. I guess my piece of advice in foremost is what has remained constant is putting the consumer first. That's the one piece throughout the, the years is if you know what the consumer wants, then and putting them first in terms of addressing their needs. Now, today you do it differently. Today you talk directly to the consumer. You engage with her directly on social media. You ask her to help you. You ask her to speak on your behalf. So you have a much closer relationship with the consumer. So it's actually better now because it's you are directly linked to the consumer, whereas before it was with market research that you directly you directed to the consumer. Today, it's live one-on-one. So keeping your ear to the ground, being always available and accessible, learning with the consumer, talking to the consumer, for me is my number one piece of advice. Like it is, it's really not, even if it, you're a founder and you have a great idea, make sure the consumer wants it. I have launched products that have been so in sync with what the consumer needs. I have also launched products that I didn't do enough speaking with the consumer and they didn't work because of many reasons, X, Y, and Z, but it's always just to make sure. And that's what I I tell founders too, is what are you bringing 
to this very complicated, fragmented, and saturated world of beauty. And make sure that it's it, it has a different and unique perspective. Mm -hmm. And build a story around it and tell your story authentically. It's whenever I talk to smaller brands and I mentor many founders, that I always, what do you have? What are you bringing to the party that, that's, that you're answering a need that hasn't been met yet? So in, in speaking of marketing and all the changes that are happening in marketing, we're seeing technology make an even bigger impact than it has in the past couple of years. And there's a lot of talk about AI, not just in beauty, but in every mm -hmm. single market out there. And I know mm -hmm. in your past, you've done a lot of work of bringing technology into these beauty brands. So how do you think technology is making an impact now and what's going to come in the future with technology and what should we look out for? Or what's your point of view on AI in general? Should we be af afraid of it? Should we be excited about it? Oh, I'm excited about it. I really am excited about it. And yes, it needs to be, it needs to be monitored to make sure that it's being used properly. Like just give an example inside our company, it's helping us create ads. It's mm -hmm. helping us format the ads. It's helping us talk directly to the consumer with the chat box. So it's really, it's enabling our strategies. And if that's how, you know, it's, we have a vision of how we want to get closer to the consumer and we want to tell our story and technology enables that. It helps support you in terms of being able to uh, get to your vision, speak to the consumer, help her understand your brand better and, and help do some of the work that creatives don't want to do formatting mm -hmm. ads or all these different sizes and stuff. Great That's point. not the fun part. The fun part mm -hmm. is creating the ad, right? Not formatting the ad. So technology will do that for you. Speaking and helping a consumer diagnose your skin color or your foundation color or your skin type are all wonderful tools to help the customer find her way in through the millions of products out there, be it skincare or colored items. It really is an enabler to help you used properly. It really is. It's such a great tool. And especially like you said, to help navigate all the products that are out there and finding the best product for you. Because I think so many of us used to receive beauty advice from our moms and our sisters or our friends at school. And now it, we really understand even your sister might not have the same skin concerns as you and your skin is so unique. So what works for your sister or your mom might not work for you. And that's the power of AI is helping you discover maybe certain ingredients and formulas that work for you. So speaking of skincare, tell us about Beekman 1802. And it's all oh, about it's starting with a goat farm. Is this correct? Yes, absolutely. There are two key ingredients that make up Beekman 1802. It's the science of goat milk and the science of kindness. And so when I was approached with the brand, I saw a brand that had a beautiful DNA. I've always used milk on my face after I get like a IPL facial because, you know, when your skin gets, you know, a little pink or flushed, you know, the best thing my derm told me was go home, put a milk compress on your skin, soak the rag in milk and put it on your skin. And I would say, why? And he said, because milk is healing. Milk has nutrients. It has proteins. It has amino acids. It's got lactic acid. It's got the best, you know, nutrients. In fact, um, we did a composition of goat milk white paper and it has 
34 active nutrients inside wow. every drop of goat milk from the lactic acid to the peptides to the vitamins to the minerals to the omega fatty acids it's really nutrient rich having used milk on my face for 20 years when they came i'm like yes uh, sign me up i am a, a milk person <laughs> The second thing that really attracted me to Beekman was the whole idea of the science of kindness. They, the two founders, Josh Kilmer Purcell and Brent, Dr. Brent Ridge, were a couple who had a farm in Sharon Springs, New York. And when they bought this farm, a neighbor knocked on their door and said, I lost the lease to my land. Can I graze my 100 goats on your land? And they said, yes, of course. And that was their first act of kindness. And they have believing in and spreading kindness since that day, it's 12 years ago. And it's the mission of our brand to spread kindness around the world. So our products are kind to the skin. It's really formulated for sensitive skin, but any skin can use it because it's so nutrient rich. It's kind to the community. We believe in spreading kindness and doing kind things with our neighbors. All of our, our consumers are called neighbors. And so we do kindness grants. We do kindness workshops. We do. We did a kindness research paper with kindness.org to, to what are the benefits of kindness in the workplace. So it's about spreading kindness, kind to the skin, kind to the community, kind to the planet. We recycle on our website and we're doing more sustainability in our formulations and our packaging. Yeah, kindness and goat milk. And it started with body care and soap. They, the first product they made were soap. We have sold 50 million bars of soap since ah, the days wow. that they started Amazing. making soap around the table. And then we got into uh, the, the neighbors who were using the soap were, said, oh my, it's transforming my skin. Like I had eczema and I got rid of my eczema mm. or, um, wow. or rosacea. What's going on? So Dr. Brandt put his research hat on and said, okay, what's inside of goat milk and why is it so transformational to the skin? And that's when we discovered all of the ingredients inside goat milk and how it is very healing for the skin. And therefore, it's really positioned to be suitable for sensitive skin. And today we have facial products, for, you know, from moisturizers to cleansers to eye creams, um, all suitable for sensitive skin. It's how unique and right now, especially with this heightened focus on skincare, and I think we're seeing a lot of people that are more stressed or maybe they're more aware of their skin concerns or they're oh, they have more access sorry. to information. Oh, no worries. Oh, I'm sorry. Where were we? No, I was just, it was funny. I was just thinking about goat milk and my mom is a big fan of goat milk yogurt. And she was told by a nutritionist, she was having, she has a lot of eczema actually concerns and skin concerns. And a lot of people in her family definitely do, myself included. And so we found that by eating goat milk yogurt, like we just love the taste of regular yogurt. So we transitioned to goat milk yogurt and we've honestly felt so better. And so when I came across Beekman 1802 and talking about the goat milk and the science behind it, I thought, wow, there really is a strong connection here. And which is how incredible to take that angle from bringing innovation to skincare and helping people with like really painful skin conditions, especially eczema and rosacea yes. that can be, it's really disruptive to your life, whether it's a a visual thing or if it's a painful thing, skin is your largest organ. So it's really important to take care of it. And then also taking exactly. this one. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. One of the, one of the things I didn't mention, which goes exactly to what you're saying is goat milk, unlike cow's milk, it has the same pH as your skin. Yeah. So therefore it really, it works well, but your skin accepts it. 
whereas when you, when the pH is off in a product, you mm -hmm. have reactions. So Definitely. we have a, our products are accepting by the skin because of the pH of the goat milk. And therefore we have the whole story behind balancing the microbiome in our product. So we are, we were the first brand at Ulta to be certified microbiome friendly. Wow. Um, so we do, we've done testing in vitro and in vivo, both. So on skin and in a Petri dish, and we are proven to balance the microbiome. So again, skin that is sensitive tends to have a disruptive microbiome and therefore reacts to skin. So with our products, because we are microbiome friendly, that's another validation of why we're very good for, for sensitive skin. And it was almost like this accidental process where the founders moved to this farm or to this land and then the farmer comes over and says, oh, can I have my goats graze here? And what an opportunity and how many doors is opened. What exactly. was Dr. Brent doing previously and how did, was he always in skincare doing research there or was it more from a I don't want to put words into everyone's mouth. There's more in like the food world or is it something so separate than studying uh, so, the uh, brand is a, a Harvard trained doctor who um, studied the, in the area of um, longevity and aging. And so he, uh, and he actually started up at Mount Sinai, the Martha Stewart center for aging. And so he was very interested in the holistic aspect of aging. Uh, and now he's really focusing on the skin aging internally and externally in terms of how to keep the skin healthy. And we don't call our company a beauty company. We call our company a skin health company because we really know that we're doing healthy skin, healthy things for the skin. So he's been great and he's been researching it and it's been his life's mission. He ha even has an MBA from Wharton. So wow. you know, he is a man who is driven to, like with curiosity and learning. And Josh, on the other hand, is a New York Times bestselling author. And so he's able to take what Brent has and be able to express it. And they've written several books and papers and are both very much into the science of kindness and writing, what, uh, what writing and speaking around the country to companies and schools on the science of kindness. Mm -hmm. So they make a wonderful pair. And they're and married, be... they're married for like 20 years, so. Oh, that's amazing. That's incredible. And way to be thought leaders too. It's, I think so many people, when they step back and think of fashion and beauty, they think of these really, they're tough industries. And I will be the first to admit, I think most people, whatever role they've worked in beauty, whether it's a first job or they're in a more senior job, it, they're very, there's a very competitive nature to it. There's a lot of women in roles and it's not always the kindest place, you have to admit. There's probably many thoughts on this, but taking a kindness approach is really a way of being a thought leader in these industries and saying, it's okay, we can collaborate and there's more to life than this business, but what's outside these doors and helping people and just making the world a better place and high tides raise all boats, as they say. So yeah, that's true on many fronts. So I've always, I was the, the head of the CMO of Bare Minerals and then became the president of Bare Minerals. And that is a brand like likes to give back. And it's a brand that is a clean, healthy brand and give back. And we gave 1% of our online sales to created the, the fund. But then also at Philosophy, we created a fund for mental health. So I've always believed in brands that had a very deep rooted emotional authenticity mm -hmm. and that gave back in more ways than just 
product. And mm-hmm. so when I came to, to, to Beekman, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my, my, this is like the brand of my dreams. I love the product. I believe in the goat milk and the science, but I also know that in today's world, internally within companies, kindness is critical. And I'd love to tell you a story about how we have a kindness coach. We have a kindness coach in our company. He is an AI driven kindness coach. And it's from a firm called KindWorks AI. And what he does is on Slack, he takes a look at your messaging and who you are and how you're interacting with others. And he coaches you to say, why don't you do a call out to Susan and just tell her how much you appreciate what she did for you today. And we get two to three tasks a week from our kindness coach. And the advice for me is different from advice for the from anyone else. And it's for the company wide. And it is such a great tool because everyone is so psyched and feels so, so valued. And then outside in the world, obviously what's going on in the world right now, kindness is so needed and it's such a disruptive world at the moment. And so spreading the word of kindness is really important. And there's so many organizations who have been receptive to us and to the guys speaking about kindness and the science behind it. And so it's really relevant, I guess, what I'm trying to say (laughs) at the moment. And Especially in the workplace now, I think, yes, there's definitely places for in-person meetings or you're talking over Zoom, but so much of our communication is over Slack messages or or any kind of like a messaging platform per se. And a lot of times things can get lost in translation. And we always know the friend or colleague who uses a lot of exclamation points and there's person who might just be like a more static communicator. And so sometimes you're, you're wondering, are they mad at me? Did I not do this project correctly or on time? And did I let someone down? But they just might be in a rush. They might be managing a lot of things personally and professionally. So what a great idea is to bring in an, another, a different layer of communication and help people just collaborate better. And it's the working place. You spend so much of your time working and a whole new level of more positive uh, communication style. That's yeah. another AI tool that we've used in the company that has been really mm-hmm. successful. Again, once used right, it mm-hmm. really can further the growth you know, of people and the business. Jill, has there been anyone that has given or gifted you advice or any advice that you would like to share? Some piece of advice mm. that has helped you throughout your career, something you always look back to, maybe there's good days and bad days. And it's almost that that rock that you can always lean on to help you get through busy times or tough times. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I've had such great mentors. I think that's been a very key part to my success is I have had mentors and I've had champions and most of them have been women, but had also a male champion. And I, things that they've taught me were really to, if you want to lead, you have to listen because you can, you have to bring people forward, but you have to hear what they're saying. And to really take the time and listen to them and then formulate your decision. Mm-hmm. And I've also learned, I read a great book from Jim Collins about good to great. And a good leader leads with humility and will. So it's be humble, but be tenacious. And I think those are two great qualities that come together for a good leader. What else? Curiosity. You mm-hmm. hire people They may not have the level of experience that you're looking for, but if they're curious, they will learn it. And so Mm -hmm. curiosity and challenge people to learn and find people who want to learn and then don't focus so much on the degrees. It's important experience and background, 
but it's really, is that person a fit? Are they curious? Can they learn it? And that's where I like to probe when I interview someone is really their level of curiosity. Mm -hmm. And are they willing to grow and learn and discover and read and just, and also experiment and try and not being afraid yes. to fail and also know your boundaries of, of where you can go and where you can't. That is great advice. Exactly. What do you exactly. think the biggest change have you seen in the beauty industry? What has been the biggest change throughout your career? Or maybe that's something yeah. most shocking that has happened in this transformation of the industry that is still growing and booming. And it, I would say the, the overall yes. beauty personal care industry is probably doing better than most industries right now. Uh, yes, I just did right. read that on Black Friday, beauty was one of the top categories, had a 7% growth, which is... Um, two to three points higher than most categories. Yes, I think consumers are looking for products that make them feel better. They're looking for accessible price points. So I think our industry is is positioned for growth even during the tough times. I, I would say what you mentioned already, the most shocking thing to me has been gee, when I started out for the first 25 years of my career, when you actually look either on Nielsen for mass market or on, um, at Circana or an NPD for prestige market, it was always held by the big established companies, the top five spots. And no matter what, you couldn't break in. And today, it's, I think, top five companies. I think there's two legacy brands and there's three more indie-driven brands. And for me, that has been such a different shakeup into the industry, that it changes the landscape. And mm -hmm. the reason for that has been so, social media, being able to talk directly to the consumer so you don't have to have a, a huge advertising budget to reach and communicate to the consumer. You can do it with a small budget and talk, taking the time it takes to talk to consumers and listen to them and do a back and forth and hear what they want and you'll mm -hmm. succeed. So that has been the biggest shift in that I have seen in brand building. Such a major shift into and just building mm -hmm. brand identity. And even in a super saturated industry, people can use social media to build their brand voice, say what they stand for, show off their packaging, show off how it looks on models. If it's a color product versus skincare, maybe showing before and afters. There's a lot of social exactly. proof, yes, that has changed, changed the industry yes. for sure. Mm -hmm. Educating so the consumer is really important. Yes. You know, educating mm -hmm. her, letting her know what you have and what's different. Storytelling is important and mm -hmm. then authenticity. Mm -hmm. And using those verbal and visual messages that, that social allows mm -hmm. us. I know it's another platform for everyone to manage and it's a lot, but it's such an exciting way for these indie brands to enter the market and Absolutely. grow. And then they allow for other indie brands to enter. So I know that we're exactly. running over by a few minutes. So we always like to ask one of our final questions is okay. where do you sit in the stands in your life? And it comes from thinking of maybe it's sports, if you're at a, a football game and you're watching the football player and you're like screaming at him in the stands, or maybe you're from the TV saying, why did you throw it to him? Or why didn't you run that way? Or it could be at a performance on a stage saying, why did she dance that way? Why did she deliver her lines this way? So many times in our lives, we sit in the stands where we're sitting there saying we will do something, we'll commit to something, or maybe we'll stop doing something. It might be on a post-it note for the past two weeks, or maybe we've been thinking about it for a decade. It could be professional. It could be personal. So Jill, is there any place in your life where you feel that you're sitting in the stands and what do you look forward to? That is such a great question because it's, it's so deep on so many levels. When I'm in the stands, I like to be in the first four rows. 
I like to watch the expressions on people, right? Be it on a stage, be it at a, a sports uh, venue. I like to see people and it's, I like to look people in the eye when I can and sit across the table from them. It's really important, that connection. And so much of the facial expressions or body expressions can be said when you meet someone and or where you see someone at their best playing their playing a character, playing their sport, and just watching and learning from their expressions and body movements. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's a really unique answer. So thank you. That's very unique. <laughs> Many times we hear people know they have a, a simple answer that says, oh, I want to run a marathon. Not that running a marathon is simple, but you gave a really different, unique angle. So thank you for that. I love this. Oh, you're welcome. I like to watch people. I, I love to, to watch people and learn from people. I am an evergreen student. Mm -hmm. I mean, you were definitely a very curious person. And I think that is what has empowered you to build such a fascinating career and really see the inside and out of both the creative and the analytical side of these businesses and small and large. So congrats to you, Jill, and um, Thank rooting, you. rooting from the stands to see what Beekman 1802 does and how you continue to bring everyone to success as a leader. And from today, we'll take a nod to curiosity and say, stay curious. And that's how you learn, especially in a very dynamic market like the beauty industry. So Jill, thank, thank you. you so much for sharing your I love your questions. Oh, thank you so I much. So Jill, where can everyone find you or get in touch if they want to reach out, whether it's a website, LinkedIn? You know what? It's LinkedIn. I look at LinkedIn frequently and people do reach out and want to connect. So I'm there or at Be uh, Jill at Beekman1802.com. Amazing. Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much for sharing your story and taking time to participate in the Beyond Beauty podcast and have a good rest oh, of your you're day. You're welcome. Thank you for having me and happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too. Thank you. Bye.